What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike. And we are discussing a discovery of witches, season two, episode six. And this episode picks up where we left off with Diana having just committed um, an act of self-defense where uh, a witch who had appeared at Setur came in and basically tried to steal her memories from her. And she was able to magic Matthew's sword from his person and stabbed the witch in question, killing him dead. She literally has more problems with witches than anyone else. Like, it's like vampires, meh, demons, not at all. But witches all either want to steal her power or they want to kill her or they want to look into her head. And it's like, like what, you know, it's like with friends like that with like, you know, fellow witches like that who needs enemies. Well, I mean, witches seem to be the problematic bunch, just period, not just with Diana, just period. I mean, think about it. Witches killed her parents, which is, you know, we we found out in the first season, witches had something to do with uh, Philippe's death. And then, um, you know, witches are the ones who kind of gave up Sarah and Emily to the congregation, letting them know, hey, yeah, they had vampires and demons in their house and now they've gone to France. Yeah, witches seem to be the turncoats of the supernatural species in this series. Where they're, they're just petty, it seems. They they want power and seem to to go to enemies to get it. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, you know, like I said it in the last episode we discussed, and like I said it before, these witches are going to learn to stop messing with Diana. It doesn't work out well for them. You know, we have one witch now who came in trying to steal her memories. And for what purpose, we still don't really know. You know, we, we know that he says he was drawn to Septor by Diana because of the, the, the strength of her magic. And he wanted to look into her memories or take her memories because Philippe, you know, was what what appears now. He was basically just trying to see what was in Diana's head. He was trying to see if she was sincere. She, he was trying to see what her intentions were towards the family. Because again, as we've discussed before, when it comes to the Claremonts, they, they very much prioritized protecting their family. And so this is what Philippe pretty much was doing. Did not, I don't think he expected the witch to do what he was trying to do, but in any case, it doesn't matter. Witch tried to take Diana's memories. Diana killed him. No yeah. means no. No means no. It doesn't matter what it is. No means no. When Diana said, no, you cannot have my memories, and the witch kept on, he paid for it with his life. Well, and curiosity I, killed, the, killed the cat. Killed the witch, too, apparently. <laughs> At this point, Matthew is furious with his father. Furious. Basically like, oh, so you just let this guy in here and you was about to let him kill her. And Philippe says, I had to be sure of her. I had to be sure of who she was and what her intent was. I had to make sure, you know, that she, I had to see what she was going to do. So... You know, we, he's, he's, we heard the same thing from 
sort of the same thing from Isabel. Yeah. You know, we, we, you're the Claremont woman. You got to act like one. Yes. So he needed to see what she was made of. And, was and we see that this particular thing pretty much changes a lot of how Philippe um, looks towards Diana, but it's it's not the thing that cements it, but it's it's kind of where he starts looking at her like, okay, I think, you know, I think she's sincere, but then we have other events that happen during the course of the episode that kind of changed Philippe's mindset about Diana overall. And I have to say, this is probably, this was probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite episode of the whole season. This episode, just, we've talked before about, you know, Mike and I have been very excited about James Purifor being part of the cast and, you know, him being cast as Philippe and we wanted to see what he was going to do with the character. I have to say this episode was worth waiting for. He was absolutely perfect. This, this episode was just, it was, it was one of my favorites, not just because I finally get my answer as to what type of person Philippe was or is, you know, I get to see who he is as a man, who he is as a husband, who he is as a father, who he is as the head of the family. But then also at the same time, you get these scenes with him and Matthew where I feel like it also cements what that relationship is and was. And then also we find out some things about Matthew that kind of explain his his feelings and his behaviors towards Philippe the way that we've seen it in the first season in the first part of this second season. And I think it explains a lot about the character and it gives me a little bit more insight into Matthew's character and what to expect from him moving on. Well, remember I had said that we're going to see what Matthew really is because I have believed that Philippe had made him a weapon. And he mm-hmm. actually says it in the yep. episode, I am my father's weapon. Yep. You know, Intradomus and again. <laughs> and yeah, you see him out to, to hunt down all the the you know blood rage vampires or whoever he wanted to kill. Mm-hmm. That's what Matthew did. And you see, that's what Matthew was afraid of. He was afraid of slipping back into that that life, that persona. Being mm-hmm. around his father because that's what his father made him a weapon right and the other thing is you know we've talked before about matthew's control and his restraint and it really hits home in this episode because there there's a scene where philippe basically he he attacks matthew with a sword fight to try to bring his blood rage to the surface and as this is happening and Diana gets to see the, the end result of it when she and Matthew sit down and talk, he tells her, I haven't lost control like that in a very, very long time. I had trained myself to keep the blood rage at bay. Again, what in the world kind of control does this man have that you take this disease that pretty much turns a vampire into an uncontrolled killer 
We've seen what the effects of that is in the 21st century in the episodes where we've gone back to 2020. And we hear them talk about it. We hear Isabel tell Marcus about the blood rage and we've heard Domenico describe it and we've heard Jabert talk about it. So to, to know what kind of lack of control a person who is afflicted with this has and to see that Matthew pretty much learned how to control it himself Again, I'm just amazed at the the control and the strength that his that this character has. It's that's not a small feat. That's not something to, you know, just bat your eyelashes at a vampire who who has that kind of control to where it's a disease in your system, something that you technically shouldn't be able to control. I mean. Philippe was using him to go out and kill all of the other vampires who were afflicted with it. And it's just, wow. Just, I, I'm just impressed. Yeah, I think, it, and it takes a lot of control. I mean, to control bloodlust like that, because that's, that's something that is, usually vampires just give into it because they're vampires just like, you know, I mean, they, they just give in to their bloodlust, but to be able to control it in the way, this kind of brings in a lot of things from the first season, like when he smelled, we smelled her jacket, it's like, you can, you can kind of see the same, I, what? <laughs> Anthony's sniffing his blood. <laughs> oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> like, 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 you can kind of see the same look in his eyes, like, you know, he's really, like it just kind of snapped onto him. And he was he was borderline I think because he he looked at him, he was like, run. <laughs> right. so he said walk. So he said walk by me. Slowly. Oh, he said walk by me slowly. Yeah, don't run. Run. If run. He would have he would have tracked her down, and this would have been a really short series. Like roll credits. <laughs> and she smiled. That's what she. Yeah, but um. So yeah, anyway, in the aftermath of this killing, Diana is, she's finally in a rowboat again. She's she's rowing on set to her. She, I mean, she's letting out this primal scream. She's just, you know, it, it's it's catching up to her, the the magnitude of what she just did. And when she when she brings the boat back to shore and she talks to Matthew, you know, Matthew is thinking that she's still kind of shutting him out because, of course, she's still she's still pissed about this whole non-consummation of their relationship and what the implications are. And, you know, she's kicked him out. She hasn't really talked to him since then. But, you know, she tells Matthew, you know, she just needs to get her head straight. I mean, think about it. Matthew is a killer. Matthew has killed before. He probably could do it without thinking about it, even though we know that Matthew has a conscience. He does feel what he does. But still, you know, this is Diana's, really her first human kill, you know, or her first her first physical kill. Because when she killed Juliet, that was with magic. So it doesn't have the same impact, you know, I don't think. So she had to go and kind of get her, her thoughts together. But she says something to Matthew. She says, you know, I, I wanted to kill him. What does that say about, you know, what kind of person am I becoming? And it's kind of like, ah, Matthew's starting to rub off on her and not in the good way, <laughs> you know. But, I mean, it's 
I think it's kind of expected at this point. You know, Diana has had so many people coming after her for so many different reasons in just this short time because we have to think about it. They've still only been together for only months at this point, you know? And she has had people just coming after her, coming after her, trying her, you know, trying to steal her magic, trying to see inside her, all of this other stuff. I guess at this point, Diana's like, look, if I have to protect myself by taking someone's life, I'm just going to have to do it. And I'm not going to feel guilty about it. That's just kind of where she is right now, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's like, basically, I mean, they're having... They're having years of relationship drama within these few months. I mean, it's like if they can get through whatever they're going through right now, it's like, what's anything else? It's like, what's, I mean, there can't, there's nothing they can really, that can really get them if they get to them, if they can get through this, through whatever they're getting through together. So, I mean, you know, kudos to them. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing is, Diana basically told Philip, you know, Phil, I mean, Philippe was, you know, he told Matthew, I had to be sure of her. I had to know what she would do. I knew she would protect herself. Diana was like, look, I don't care who you are. You will not try me like that again. I'm like, y'all gonna stop messing with her. But again, I think seeing that she is willing to protect herself and protect Matthew. You know, it's one person to say that you that you love someone and that you stand behind them. But when you put those words into actions, it's kind of a different thing. And like we we've all said this at one point or another, the declaremonts are about protecting themselves. They're about protecting their family. And we didn't expect anything less from Philippe, given what we know about Isabel. Philippe is about action. And he explained to Matthew in the previous episode that you haven't shown that you really want to be with her because you haven't done anything with her. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, did, he hasn't known her in the biblical way, so to speak. So right. you haven't, there, therefore, it means nothing. So Philippe is about action. So he needs to see you do something to show him that you mean it. And that's what he needed from Diana. Right. But I think the other thing, too, that we learned throughout this episode is it wasn't necessarily just about the consummation of the relationship for Philippe. When he attacks Matthew and brings the blood rage out, he explains to Diana that he does this because she needs to understand what it is she is getting into with Matthew. She needs to see the whole of him and not just the guarded point of you know the guarded part of what Matthew has shown her and she understands okay you're not doing this to hurt us you're doing this for us you know Philippe is basically saying it's one thing to say that you have each other's backs that you love each other but the real test is when you see who this person is unguarded uncensored you know, 100% who this person is. I think what he said was you have to see the wolf in his true form in order to understand. And if, you, if you're if you going to be with him, you have to be able to accept that part of him. And I think once he sees that that's what Diana is doing, then he can start saying, okay, this woman is really worthy of my son. Because I think that was the other thing. You know, we 
we kind of speculated on whether or not Philippe and Matthew had a great relationship, whether they had a strained relationship. There was this question because Matthew would refer to him as father in some instances and stepfather in other instances. And really what we see in this episode is that even though he doesn't say the words like, I love you, we see that Philippe cares a lot for Matthew. I think maybe even more than Matthew realized at the time, you know, and again, this could be because Philippe can maybe be a little bit more open with someone that he knows is from the future. You know, he knows that there's probably, there, there's been a couple of centuries worth of history between them. And he knows that there's something fractured within that dynamic, within that relationship. So maybe Philippe is just showing Matthew a different side to him because of that. And also because of the fact that Philippe realizes during this episode that in Matthew's time, he is no longer alive. And he realizes this because of the ring that Isabel gave to Diana. You know, he sees it on her finger. And when Diana says that Isabel gave it to her as a gift, he says she would never give this ring to a witch, not, not as long as I'm alive. And then that's when the realization is like, oh, you know, it's kind of like, I, I guess when you're hit with your own mortality, it's kind of like, oh, um, Hmm. Okay, maybe I need to read well, some things. Well, so I, I tend to think that Philippe, he has a lot of things going on in his head. And, you know, we talk about, um, um, what, what is our friend's name? Who is D Dominique? Wait, what's his name? Domenico. Domenico. Mm -hmm. D Domenico's, Domenico's playing chess. You know, everyone else is playing checkers. But Philippe is playing 3D chess on several different boards. You know what I mean? He has, he, not only does he do that one thing, because part of what I was talking about was he was getting Matthew to show her who he really was. Mm -hmm. So Isabel said it, Matthew has said it, but she hasn't seen it. Philippe mm -hmm. took it a step further and actually showed her, you know, this is what you're going to get, mm -hmm. you know? At the same time, he's trying to get Matthew to tell him how he died. You know, he's trying to get Matthew to do that. So right. he has all these things going on at the same time. He's juggling a lot. And I'm, I'm just impressed with, with that because on top of that, he needs to see what she's made of. You know, is she going to cower? Is she going to back off? Or is she going to accept the challenge? Right. right. You know what I'm saying? You can kind of, you can see kind of a parallel with when Isabeau took Diana out and and went on a hunt with her and showed and showed her like this is what we do this is how things are and this is the same thing with Philippian okay this is who he who he is underneath everything that you see every day so you can kind of see why Philippe and Isabeau are together because they're basically the same kind of person that you know they want they want you to see everything so you're not taken surprise taken by surprise by anything that happens they're like look i told you i'm showing you this you so just so you know so that there are no excuses like if you leave my son you can't you can't say it's because you didn't know anything because i'm showing you what can happen like he needs blood he can be bloodlusted but this is who he is and if you can't 
deal with that, then you can't deal with him. So it's really being laid out playing for her. And it's like every it seems like I mean she's being well prepared for life with him now. So it's like dude, like she really has no excuse for not knowing anything else about anything about him. Right. And and, and, think- and to me, and to me, this episode was was really like a love story between Philippe and Isabel. Mm-hmm. Because you actually you actually can feel like they don't talk about it. I mean, until the letter at the end, but you get a sense that he cares deeply, deeply for Matthew because he cares deeply, deeply for Isabel. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, he immediately killed all the bloodlessed vampires, right? But he kept Matthew, he, he helped Matthew learn how to control it, how to suppress it. You know what I mean? He did all of this for Isabel because that's her child. You know what I mean? That is her sire. And he made it work. But that shows you the depth of his love for her and Matthew. And you can see it in how he talks to Matthew, how he treats Matthew, as if that is his own. I mean, we already know that they that the Claremonts are about family. But to actually see the depth of emo- that's why James Purifoy is like on a whole other level. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you watch anything he does, and mm-hmm. anything he does, he is always amazing. And he shows, and you can feel the intensity and the intensity of yeah. the emotion that he feels, not only for Isabel, but also for Matthew. And I'm watching this episode like this is literally Matthew, I mean, Isabel and Philippe's love story. Because yeah. to me, that was the central, central part of this episode. Yeah, the, the depth of that love and that emotion, and how, you know, even across the centuries, you could feel it in the love they have for Matthew yes. as well. And right. and the other thing too is, I think with with Philippe, I think he was looking to see if Diana and Matthew had that kind of bond and you you notice immediately after like after he does the whole thing with Matthew with the sword fight and he's still trying to get like he's got Matthew worked up to where his blood rage is right there and again this is a part part of the blood rage is you're out of control so he really thought that if he got Matthew to this point where Matthew was out of control, that Matthew would tell him what he wanted. And when he didn't get that, Matthew was like, I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you to the point where he was straining. It was like he was trying not to cry, like, I cannot tell you. And I think at this point, Philippe really realized, one, the strength of character that Matthew has, because he even says it later on. He was like, Matthew is not a person. Matthew is, what did, he, what did he say? He said, Matthew has the has the least faith of anybody that I've ever known. You know, we, we've talked about Matthew and his, his faith with his religion and how he's been conflicted. Philippe, I think in some ways, maybe didn't respect Matthew because of that. But in this, in this part where, He's trying to get Matthew to give him information that he knows he doesn't need. Anybody who is as intelligent as Philippe is would know 
knowledge of your future or too much knowledge of your future is something that you should not have. It's something that'll drive a person mad. He knows this. When Matthew refuses to tell him, and then you see that Diana is still willing to stand by him. I mean, she went to go confront him immediately after that. I think he realized that this this strength, this bond between them, whether or not it was consummated, whether or not you know Matthew made her a true mate at this point, I think he saw the strength of that and he could see that it was something that probably would rival his and Isabel's bond. And like you said, you felt that bond with them throughout the whole episode when he was trying to figure out how to write the letter to her and he couldn't, he couldn't come up with the words and just, you know, him starting the letter changed something in the future to the point where the witches felt something in that library. We, we talked about this from the last episode because they, they sent something was going on. This is, this is something that is happening now because there's been that change. And then when he can't finish the letter, he throws it away. And then all of a sudden, you know, the witches say they can't feel the vibration anymore. But how, the how clever, I'm sorry, how clever are the writers? Because we knew that there was an issue with this when the bloodlusted vampire suddenly appears, uh -huh. you know, that, and I'm pretty sure it's Jack now, that yeah. it, only because they took him in. And now he's writing the letter, they start feeling the vibrations then he throws litter away, oh, it's gone now. Mm -hmm. So they're showing us that things they're doing in the past are active, is actively changing things in the present. Yes, but the fact that even the thought that there might be a final communication from Philippe is so, it, it's so emotional for Isabel that she like they literally go through every single book in that library and they're looking for any kind of sign. And she tells Marta, she said the prospect of a of a final message from Philippe is just more than I can bear. It's like something that she is like so desperately holding on to. And it's interesting because when we meet Isabel and when we've seen her in these last few episodes, when we do see her, she's always so calm. She's always so in control. She's so poised. And you never really think about the fact that this is a woman who still 70 years later has not replaced her husband, has not gotten into another relationship. She is like deeply in love with this man still. And we feel that like I cried so many times during this episode just from the power of the emotion that I felt like these two actors and the way that they play, like you never see them in the same room together, but you could feel the strength of the bond between these two characters. It was amazing. And from that point on, you get to see Philippe's attitude towards not only Matthew changed, but the way he does a complete change with Diana, he goes from being this sarcastic kind of hard ass to her to being like so, I, I don't want to say in love with her, but it, you could feel his love for her as his, as his now daughter, the way that he embraces her into the family, you know, by the end of the episode. It was just so, this episode was so powerful in that way for me.
you know, and it was just the journey of watching Philippe and Matthew and Philippe and Diana go from this kind of estranged relationship to one that was very loving and very forgiving at the end and so powerful. It was just, again, this, this, this episode was just so amazing to watch. It was, I watched it three times. I was just like, it was just, it was so emotional for me. Was yeah. it emotional for you when, when Matthew was telling Dana what happened between? I cried. And, and that's, listen. I cried. I cried because, again, it explains so much about Matthew and Philippe because every time we saw him in the first, um, in the first season, whenever he mentioned Philippe, he mentioned him, and like I said, there was like a mixture of love and also a mixture of, you couldn't tell if it was sadness or regret. So it's kind of like you wondered if Winfrey died, if they had been on bad terms or if they just never really got along or it was just one of those things. I didn't even think to put it in my head that Matthew would have been the one to have had to kill Philippe to release him from the pain of what he went through at the hands of the Nazis. You know, because every time we heard about it in the first season, it was all, you know, we heard about the Nazis and we also heard that witches killed him. But we didn't know in what context until this episode. So when Matthew was telling this story and the way that he was, he was very emotional he was very vulnerable. You could tell he was worried about how Diana was going to look at him after this, but also you could just feel like I felt the weight of that guilt on him. The way that Matthew Good played this, that particular scene, I was in tears. It was so powerful. And so, and it's like, it wasn't even over-dramatized. He, he did it very, it was done in a very understated way, but it was so powerful the way that he did it. It was just, yeah, yeah. I, I bawled. Yeah, I mean, it, you're, you're right. It's like, he wasn't, he wasn't like, you know, sobbing heavily and like doubled over with, with, with regret and sadness. He just really was, matter of fact, stating what happened. And it's like he shed some tears, but they were like really. Of course, it's Matthew, but everything about Matthew is controlled. He had control. He he was crying controlled tears, so that he wouldn't become overcome. And Diana really, and it's it, it was it was a really powerful scene, just because it was. I mean, she. I'm glad she finally drew it out. I think that's one of the things about breaking down barriers between them, or breaking down anything that could be holding them back from being together that had been holding them back before. But now everything is start everything's starting to come down and clear out. And I think Philippe sensed that too. That's why he took them to to that to that place to like, you know, ask Diane to talk to Artemis. I think he wouldn't have done that if he didn't think that they were that they were at, that Matthew had actually opened up more to her. Because I mean he has I think Philippe realized that Matt, if Matt, as long as Matthew kept holding stuff back from him, it was not going to work. And mm -hmm. this is something that, you know, this, 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 their relationship is bigger than they are. It's like, it's not just of them being together, it's them being together, but 
it has a bigger purpose down the line for witches, witches, vampires, and demons. This has a this is a really big thing, and for the for it to work, he Matthew has to be completely open, and and Diana has to know everything. So I think that once he sensed that, he was like, okay, now we have to put them, put them together. Yeah, but okay, so let's talk about that. That scene where Philippe, um, where Diana went to confront Philippe and he told her about the prophecy and she was, and like all the things were happening with her, like you could see the magic coming out. Oh my God, that scene was amazing. I I don't care. It was that like if they had done the Twilight vampires like that, it probably would have worked. I mean, but the way it was just and and it it was hard for me to determine like is this something that she was actually doing or is this just was that supposed to be like the representation of Philippe seeing Diana for who who she truly was? Like that's kind of how I was looking at like he sees this. He sees this magic in her, or he sees, I guess, in, in some sense, the purity of who she is as a person. Like, this is a person who says what she means. She does what she says. She says that she loves Matthew unequivocally, and and this is what this is what he sees. And you notice, like, from that point on, his complete attitude towards her changed. I think that this is another way that her magic is helping her out. We've said all along that her magic really, really shows up only when she needs it, like to protect mm-hmm. her or anything else. Now her magic is showing up to, 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 it is showing up to help her again, but to help also to help Philippe, to show Philippe that she's the real deal. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, her, her, her magic show is just showing up and showing him the power in her and how she is. So it's, I mean, even though even though she's striving for control, her magic still has a way of just kind of showing up when it's needed. Yeah, that scene was beautiful. It was just, and then again, James Purifoy, the look on his face when he was telling her about the prophecy and looking at her, it's, I, I don't know, he. I don't know how actors do what they do, but it was just, it was a beautiful scene. It's like you could see the change overcome his face and like in his body language and his demeanor, the way that he speaks to her from that point on, the way he speaks to Matthew from that point on. It's just, I don't know. Again, like I said, this this episode was so great for me. It was like, it it it's undoubtedly probably my favorite episode of this season so far without a doubt yeah but, I, yeah I can, I can see that it's just like uh what was i gonna say oh uh i kind of kind of lost my train of thought but yeah it's like and i think that you know i, I like the look the satisfied look on diane's face when he finally said okay i see now i understand and she's like, so I'm trying to tell you. And, she, and he's like, okay, I understand now. Cool. No worries. And then he did. Was it, did he, did he do the vampire Simba thing before or after this? The what? 
Did he do the vampire Rafiki thing where he like like put the smeared the blood on her forehead? It was after that. Yeah, it was <laughs> the vampire Rafiki. Yeah, it was after that. You know, okay. Okay. and because he goes out, he goes out to see them, and he tells Matthew, um, you know, he says, "I will not ask about my future again." And then he tells right. them, "Obviously, okay. your your bond or your relationship is still forbidden in your time. Otherwise, you wouldn't have come back here." And he tells them, you know, you guys are going to face a lot of opposition, but it has to be clear that Diana is a declaremont. And I think he was saying that in the in the fact that because they had not made it again, he, you know, that's how they look at it as a true bond. But his thing was, okay, if Matthew is holding himself back to protect her, which is what Matthew was doing. I think at this point, Philippe was like, okay, if you're not going to be bonded or made it in that way, we are going to make sure that she is definitely known as a declaremont. So that's when he does the the blood oath. He says, you know, declaremonts are made by blood. Usually that would mean someone being sired. In this case, it's just basically a, a blood oath. And then he takes them to the... Um, uh, the little area, I can't think of what it is, but... Um, the, a temple of Diana. Yes, thank you. That I don't know why I couldn't think of the word temple, but um, he was takes... He, uh, was it of Diana or Athena? Diana. Diana. Because okay. he called her Artemis. He called to her as Artemis, so yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, I've been watching Balsar Galactic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he <laughs> takes her down there and, and basically makes an offering to the goddess Diana to accept this Diana and to protect her and to guide her. And again, such a powerful scene because this is somebody who at first was opposed to all of this. And now he's like, okay, you know what? She is now my daughter. Same thing as Isabel did when he gave her the blood oath, he called her his daughter. And he, now he's like, okay, look, she's going to need your protection. She's going to need your guidance. And it beautiful scene. You know, we, we we get the the manifestation, yeah, of of Diana in the in the form of a stag, and she accepts the offering, and then you know, Philippe tells them, "Okay, you guys are going to be married in two days." <laughs> and at that point, I was like, "Oh wait, what?" But you know, I, I was thinking that was her Patronus, was a stag. <laughs> Expecto. <laughs> well, I I liked it because it it really seemed to me that he had a little bit of magic of his own because you know right. the way that he was able to bring it i was like okay it goes back to him being so old which brings into question does somebody that old being made in ancient greek is it possible that older the vampire is they get a little bit more magical like because that took more than a will of effort to to do that. It was it was absolutely gorgeous, and I loved the whole thing. And I loved the way that he did the whole calling and the the Artemis, the different Artemises. They went through I think three or four different ones. It was a lovely scene. It was really nice. It was very spiritual. Yeah, you know, and it, yeah, it was it was very lovely. But even after that, when he talks about them, you know, them getting married, and of course they had the, you know, the cute little banter between Matthew and Diana. Um, where Matthew like officially proposes to her or officially asks for her hand. And then the next thing we, we, the next scene that we see is of Philippe and Matthew 
where Philippe brings Matthew a token of, you know, it, it's basically a good luck charm for him, something that he found when he was in battle and him bending down to pick it up saved his life. So he looks at it as, you know, a good luck charm and he gives it to Matthew and wants him to wear it at the wedding. And when he walks out, when Matthew says, thank you, father, and, and Philippe walks out, the the way that Matthew is looking at him with such longing is kind of like, that's my father. Like, that's the first time I really, really looked at them and felt like that was father and son. Like, this is what Matthew has been missing all of these years. And then when you get to the next scene, it's the wedding scene. And can we talk about this damn dress? <laughs> this these costumes. Yeah, y'all go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I've seen in the previews for this season that that one scene where the doors open and Diana's, you know, face and the, the headdress. And I didn't know that they were getting married this season. You know, I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know that's what that reveal was. That dress was so freaking gorgeous. That was, that was the height of any any renaissance type dress you'd ever possibly want it was the lace work it was gorgeous i mean it was it was it, you know i'm not big on fashions as they say but i love that dress and i thought that it was very diana in in the way that it was made it wasn't too girly it wasn't too flashy it was it, it fit her personality it was blue and it yes it was yes and, and, and it brought out her eyes okay she has some of the most gorgeous eyeballs i have ever seen on a human being ever like her her, her and chris pine are nick and nick oh my eyes. god like that oh, yeah. blue is just so when it opens up and she's got the blue dress on and her eyes is just oh and, and and the looks on Matthew and Philippe's face when they turn around to look at her, it was just, I was like, okay, this is like perfect wedding. Just just perfect. That's the way you want your groom to look at you when you when the doors open and you're seen in all your bridal regalia. That's that's what you want. And it was a very, it was a very short, very sweet, you know, very sweet ceremony. And then the true bonding comes finally. <laughs> yeah. Finally, finally, Diana gets what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> she, but, she couldn't say no to that. <laughs> not only that, I think at this point, the fact that this is when their true bonding comes and where the, the consummation of their relationship comes. It, and it again, it is from it, it. All of the walls are down now, so it's like you, Matthew, has to know at this point. I think he feels safe enough to go through with this, knowing that he one that he won't hurt her. But also, too, that if something happens and this blood rage comes up or whatever, that she is not going to leave him. And I think that was probably what was holding him back, truly. And he says it to her, you know, when they when they talk after the whole fight, he, you know, when he tells her about the blood rage, he's like, this is why we can never truly be bonded. 
And she says to him, do you think that there's anything you could ever do that would make me walk away from you? And I think now that he's secure and it's like, he even said it when they talked about the wedding. He was like, you still want to be married to me after everything that you've learned about me? She was like, only if you ask nicely. And it's like, I think at this point now he feels like, okay, I can really truly be myself and give myself over to her without fear of recrimination, without fear of abandonment, without fear of, you know, him having to feel guilty towards her. I, I think it's just one of those things where it's like the weight of the world is now off his shoulders and he can fully, finally, truly be bonded to her. In yeah, and, and they can look for the book now. We can move yes. on to Bohemia. Yes. We got all this out of the way. Let's find that damn book. Finally, let's go to Bohemia. Let's 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 get Gallo Glass and the other guy, and we're gonna get this book. <laughs> you know, we're gonna do with crazy what crazy King Rudolph. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just saying. And Edward Kelly, like just... figure out what the hell's up with his dumb ass. Um, I, I just clarify. Did he not? when he was having the conversation with her about what happened between him and Philippe, what was it, did he not say Philippe was begging Isabeau to kill him? Yes. And Matthew mm -hmm. said he couldn't let her do it. He, he couldn't let her right. do it. He, 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 yeah. he, yeah, okay. he didn't want her to have to live with that. Yeah. And he took that burden off himself. He took that burden off her. So again, very real sense of not just loyalty in this family but yes. love and selfless, selfless yes right because because he you know like he said isabel can't look she can't go a day looking at me without thinking about that day and imagine that, imagine had she done it she would have to look at herself every day uh -huh. and she that, would have too much. That, she that, that, that probably would have been too much it it, it would have been too much but i mean just him wow, doing this, that for the, her. The, the power of their relationship. Right. Real. And Philippe is real. And then, you know, him having to do that for Philippe, you know, and, and just the way that his voice broke when he was telling her about that, I was just like, oh, yeah, this, any questions that I had about the dynamic of this family prior to this episode have all been answered. The only thing we know, the only thing that we really need to know is the De Claremont family is very loyal and they have a lot of love for each other. Now, I'm saying this in the span of these three. I don't know how Baldwin and Louisa fit into this dy dynamic because they don't, just what we've seen of them so far, they don't seem to type. Like, I understand that Baldwin is Philippe's blood son. And we haven't seen Philippe and Baldwin interact. So we don't know how different Baldwin was when his father was alive. But well, I mean- that that's where I come in because I'm I'm I read about that today on the in book one. Mm -hmm. Baldwin and Matthew, from the moment they see each other, they can't stand each other because Baldwin apparently is almost as old as Philippe. He was also created in ancient Greece, 
So he's really, really, really old. And they said that when you had Philippe and Baldwin together, it was basically uh, beers, women, and brawls. Okay. They said you you were with them or you weren't with them. They would fight. He's an alpha. And that when he got uh, when they got with uh, Matthew and he was introduced, he didn't like him. He thought that Matthew was, was sort of on the weak side. He didn't appreciate the fact that uh, Isabel was so in love with her new son. And he basically uh, has spent most of his life fighting uh, with him, mainly over the, the order that Philippe founded because Baldwin, since he's head of the family, has always believed that it should have been his since Philippe's death. So basically, Baldwin hasn't liked him for like 900 years. And he barely listens to Isabel now that Philippe's gone. He'll listen to her, but it takes him a long time to get to that point. So I found that very, very interesting. But you know, looking at the way that they portrayed Philippe in this episode, I almost feel like Matthew is more like Philippe than Baldwin would be because Philippe, you see in this episode, we do see he is a stickler for the rules, but we also do see that he has a huge heart and he does have some compassion. Mm. I don't get that vibe from Baldwin. Okay. Well, see, it's like we said too. It's like we don't know how how Philippe was in the past. It's just like we were saying with Matthew. It's like vampires they live so long they kind of have to change who they are like every few hundred years it's like they can't be the same kind of person the same basic kind of person for extended periods of time where they get or it can be boring or they can just maybe just i mean people change it's like for us to like some people change in like five years five years to a vampire could be like three four hundred years right like you know, I mean, he could have been a carousing, roused about, and a really, and a really, and a really, like, you know, a drunkard. But now he's in his calm phase. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it just could be a change, and it's like I mean, you, you never know, really. Yeah. But um, oh, the other thing that was interesting to me. So after the wedding, you know, they have their little reception, and they they dance. Literally. Well, you know, Diana dances with Philippe and then she dances with Matthew. And I thought that this was really interesting because when they dance, they mimic a lot of the dancing that they did back in Septor in modern day. And it made me think about the fact that when they first started dancing, remember, she said she didn't know how to dance and he just told her to kind of go with it. And then it's like, as the dance progressed, it seemed like she was picking it up. And then towards the end of the dance, it seemed like she had done this before. I felt like this was kind of, you know, they they do a little bit of the same dancing. And I just felt like, okay, well, maybe this was, I, I again, I don't know how the whole time travel thing is, but it's, it's almost like her body might have remembered at that point, oh, we've done this before back in 1590, and that's why she was able to pick it up so quickly. And you know, when they danced the first time, I don't know, it's it just it was something interesting to me because when you think about watching that scene, you could literally see her going from awkward, I don't know what I'm doing, to almost flawless dancing, like within the span of a few seconds. Yeah. 
It's like she was feeding off of his vibe. It's like, you know, she was letting him leave and she was kind of feeding off what he was doing. It's like, you know, she was dancing, then then, then you hear the sound effects when she twirls. It's like she was kind of getting it as she twirled. Like with each twirl, she was getting better and better. Like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. now she now she's kind of following him and following him. I think she was pulling the I think she was pulling the dance steps out of his head. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I found it interesting that he he told he said that anyone who speaks of her or whatever happened there was gonna have their tongue ripped out. Confiscated. confiscated. (laughs) Okay, so the writers thought about that too. You know, we can't we can't have them talking to Matthew about his new wife. He's like, What are y'all talking about? Isabel. Or Isabeau. Oh, but it's so interesting. Not, not like she's going to be, she's going to walk in and she's going to be like, I smell witch. Especially <laughs> if she has Marta with her. Marta's going to be like, I smell witch. He's like, oh, well, some some dude came around here sniffing. But I took care of him. That's that's probably the witch's smell. You know, his body's out back. You, know, you can go check it out. You can string him up. You can do whatever you want to. <laughs> so so maybe Philippe was really being smart. You know what? Let me have a witch come over here because, you know, when Marta comes back, Marta's going to know that there was a witch in the house. But but again, according to him, he didn't know the witch was coming. He didn't summon the witch. The witch, by his own admission, was drawn to Septua because of the strength of um, Diana's magic. Diana's magic basically called out to him. So he says. says. I know. (laughs) Um, One other, one other sweet thing about this episode, and I guess it's kind of going back to what you say, Anthony. Um, We got to hear Matthew talk a little bit about his son Lucas, Mm -hmm. and um, you know Diana kind of mentions how she sees what kind of father he would he he was when he interacts with. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it when when he interacts with Jack, and you know, I just thought about that, like. Oh. But see, now that that's proof positive that Jack's that Jack's going back. I mean, one way or the other, it's almost it's almost like it's, they're saying that Jack's going back with them. Like it's like you know, I mean, because he because you can see. You could see Matthew being a little bit pensive after she said that, and she could, and he could see, he could probably feel. I mean, her sadness about not being able to give him a child is palpable. Mm-hmm. Like you could really feel, like she really wanted to give him a child. So yeah. he's like, "Hmm, well, I probably need to fix that." So yeah, I can, I can kind of see that. I don't, I don't, I still don't know if I, if I believe that they would. Because one, bringing a child like that out of his time and placing him into, I mean, it's jarring enough going from the future back to the past, but at least if you're, if you're time traveling backwards, you kind of know what to prepare for. You've had history class, you know a little bit about what's happened in the past, so you can kind of prepare yourself for what life is going to be like there but to go the opposite way to take someone from the past and dump them in the future and they have no idea about anything they don't know about electricity they don't know about you know motorized vehicles they don't know about telephones and it's i i just don't see 
where they would do something like that, like that would, I feel like that would traumatize Jack so much if they were to bring him to the future. I, I really believe that if that is Jack in the future with the blood rage killing people, I, I really believe that he probably was, um, you know, he probably was turned back in this time, maybe as an adult. And I don't know, he, he stayed hidden or he, you know, he was kind of in the shadows for the last 300 years. And then all of a sudden now he's, he's showing up with the blood rage. Again, we don't know, but I I don't think they brought I don't think they they would bring him to the future. That just well, well they they because she's a time walker, I could see them doing that, but I could see them doing it very slowly. I mean, they would have to really explain uh to him what she is and what she does. And I can see maybe a day in the future go back to this time two days slowly work him into it so when they finally bring him forward to modern times he wouldn't be as freaked out i can see that happening or i could also see them time walking and going back to 16 uh 1590 and spending a few years raising him and then bringing him forward i mean i can see that but i think that if they did it they'd have to do it very very carefully i mean i don't have kids so i don't know how kids react to things but he's young enough that i think that i hope it wouldn't scar him would probably be the word i mean some kids some kids bounce back quick and some kids it probably will scar them or conversely i mean what what if they they're gonna bring him back, but something happens and he gets hurt or killed, and they can't bring him, and then someone then someone like old old mother old father Hubbard catches them and and turns him, and he has no and, and both of them don't know about it, and that's how mm. we, it, you know that could yeah, oh. Oh. yeah that uh, that's interesting. I mean, I'm I'm sure we'll probably explore those possibilities in the next couple of episodes but I, I thought that was just a sweet moment you know him taking the time to remember his son and that little moment that they had between them uh discussing kids and bringing up jack and uh and i just i don't want to think of jack as the killer she's gonna have to die marcus is gonna have to take care of him. Uh, yeah. oh, okay but um, so after this conversation, you know, we see where Matthew and Diana are preparing to leave set tour. They're, they're preparing to go to Bohemia and Philippe and Diana have their, their last exchange. And, you know, he approaches her and gives her a bag of money and says, Diana, the women of the Declaremont family, they handle their own finances. I was like, yes, we got a modern man in 1590. It's not this whole, yes, I'm going to be in charge of your person. Dah, dah, dah. No, he basically gives Diana money. He's like, yo, this is yours. This is for you and you alone. <laughs> but then also he, um, you know, he tells her that the ring Isabel gave her. He says, 
this was a message for me. This was a sign of approval from Isabel to let me know that you are family. And then he gives her his necklace and says, you know, with this, you know, with this necklace, I will be with you always. And then he calls her my daughter again. Just so, so emotional. So perfect. Just can we get like maybe just one more episode of Philippe? Like, I wouldn't be mad. We can stay in September one more day. I know we need to go get the book. Yeah, but I don't want book. I don't want his part of the story to be over yet. He's so so great in this role. I just don't want it to be over yet. But they're leaving September. So hmm. but then also as they're leaving, um, Philippe pulls Matthew to the side and he tells Matthew, you know, you have a woman who is very worthy of you, but also you are worthy of her. So stop living your life with regrets and start living it. And I think, you know, that was something I think Matthew really needed to hear. And then he follows up and says, there's one more thing that we need to settle before you leave. Whatever has caused the schism between us in the future, I forgive you. And it's like Matthew's face is kind of frozen, but you can just see the subtle relief in his face and in his eyes, like this is what I needed to hear from the person who in his mind, he wronged, even though he knows that what he did for Philippe, he did it out of love and he did it so that Philippe would not suffer. But still to know that you are the person that, it, that you are the one who ended that person's life for whatever reason, that has to leave a lot of guilt. That has to leave a lot of shame. And then of course, you know, he feels like that's also you know, created a little bit of a wall between him and Isabel, because even though Isabel, he did that to spare Isabel, still when she looks, she has to, she has to be reminded of the fact that she is no longer with her husband because her son had to kill him. It's a lot for a person to have to carry for that long a time. And so for him to hear Philippe say, I forgive you, not knowing what the issue was, not knowing what you know, transpire between them. I think that was just a huge load off of Matthew's back. And right. now, you know, he can say thank you and he can truly move on with his life and probably be happy for the first time in a very, very, very long time. You know, and it was just, it yeah. was a great way to end, you know, to end the show and to end the episode. And, and then after that, he finally has the words to say to Isabel. So he starts writing the letter and she finds the letter. And just, again, I was bawling this whole scene because you could feel he's, he's crying as he's writing the letter to her. She's crying as she's reading the letter. You could feel the love that these two characters have for each other spanning centuries. They've been apart for a long time at this point. And it's almost like 
again, they weren't on the screen at all together. We don't get to see them interact together as a couple, but everything we needed to know about the love that they shared, we got it in this episode. And it was done in such a powerful way. It was just, it was great. Yeah, and I like the I like the subtle touch that they did by not putting the letter inside the pages, but actually putting it in the spine so that, you know, like no, no one, like no one just finds it like shaking the, shaking the book and having, having the letter fall out and anyone just finding it. I think it, but it's like having her like kind of take a moment and take a breath and notice that it's sticking out. I think that that was a, that was a pretty, that was a cool touch because it wouldn't have been the same if Sarah or M found it. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It, wouldn't so, it was that that scene, that that little scene between Philippe and Isabeau, that was like the perfect way to end the end to end the episode. It was just yeah. so it was so emotional, it was so heartfelt. It was just it was really nice compared to some of the other endings that we've had this season you know we've had a murder at the end of the season we've had like drama it was just it was a nice change of pace the, the whole episode was just amazing right so i just i i can't say that enough it was great james purifor can we get him for another episode i mean I, let's talk about let's talk about his french accent i mean like damn, it's like it's like he was French. Like I mean, he's done some his act his accent work is like really good. Like from his accent his accent and following to his accent in a Knight's Tale to his accent here to his accent in everywhere else, everything else that he's done. Like he is like a he's he's one of my favorite actors. I love anything I see him in. I'm like okay, I'm with it. Let's go. Just freaking amazing. Like they could not have gotten anybody else to play this part. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I think we've covered everything. Okay, um, I got a bone to pick with this episode. What they kind totally of bone do you have to pick with this episode? They totally fucked up my song "Time in the Bottle." Like that was one of the <laughs> worst versions of "Time in the Bottle" you know I've ever heard. I really liked it. it. Well, no, I like the instrumental version. Let me let me say that. I like the instrumental version. The instrumental version when they were dancing was because like as soon as I played, I was like, hey, that's time in the bottle. That's, that's what I said. Pretty, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. But then she started singing and totally fucked everything up. I was like, <laughs> Sing the damn words like Jim Croce wrote them. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? It's what? just like, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's the same white girl that was singing the Negro spiritual in, uh, after the first episode in season, season two, episode one in the Bad Lake. She was singing. I was like, what the fuck? I give up. Like, maybe, but, they, maybe they changed the words around to fit the episode and the time period and... And the consummation, just, yeah. No, just, don't, just don't mess with the song. <laughs> just, just don't mess with it. If you're going to rearrange it, leave the lyrics alone. At least sing the song like it was. I mean, I understand changing it a little bit, but they 
old. I mean, they really weird. They, it was like a, the remix we did not need. I'm <laughs> like, y'all could have just. I mean, they could have done something different than that. I mean, that was just bad. That that just kind of threw the whole threw the, threw me off. I was like, oh, you lost me. Damn it. The stream <laughs> version was pretty. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I have I have something else I wanted to mention. <sighs> what? <laughs> Not bad. Just, just, just a little bit of, little bit of housekeeping. Okay. Like, what, what was, what was, um, Dana doing to Isabel's map? Like, did she rearrange oh, yes. where the covens were? I believe she did. Yes, I knew there was no, something. No, 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 no. no, I think, I think what she, what she did was because when she was working it, it's like blue came up off of it. So I think the blue was the ink that she used to mark the ones that she had already been to. So I think she switched them. She switched the X's to to those. She switched the X's on her so that she's she was confused about which one she had been to, which one she hadn't been to. Oh, okay. That's what that's kind of what it seemed like to me. That seems to be kind of petty. <laughs> no. Wouldn't that change wouldn't that change history too? Because then that means see, she that's what I was thinking. Because she I thought kill that, all those witches. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. I thought that she was changing the location so that, you know, wherever Isabel was trying to track them down, there would be nothing, you know, she wouldn't be able to find them. But then I did think about that too. Like, okay, so what are the long-term ramifications of her changing that? Which, I mean, if she's saving like hundreds of thousands of witches from being slaughtered, I have no or, problem or ten, with that. Or, or tens of hundreds. Right. But I mean, or, I mean but is, she, is, she, is she saving witches like her or is she, is she saving like Knox and Satu witches? I mean that that could be that could be incredibly problematic if they if she's like saving like a whole coven of Noxes. I mean, that I would, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't have a problem with 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 Isabo killing a whole coven of Noxes. You can get you can do all you, you can do it do what you will. Knock yourself out. I mean, I'm just whatever saying. she was doing, I'm sure is going to have some kind of consequences in the future. You consequences know? and repercussions. Yeah. Yeah, but but I that I, I did kind of wonder about that. Like, okay, Diana, what are you doing? Are you like hiding the covens or are you changing where they're located? Or I I wasn't quite sure. I'm sure it'll probably come up again, uh maybe next episode, but um yeah, I, I kind of want to know what's gonna happen with that. Like, is that gonna is that gonna affect not just the future, but is that going to have an effect when or if they get back to London and the coven that she's working with there for her magic? Like, is is that going to have some kind of effect on them as well? I don't know. I don't know. It's a cliffhanger. I guess we'll have to see. I'm glad that... It's it's one of those loose ends, and I I guarantee you it's going to be a question that's never answered. Okay, so tell me, in this show, can you think of a question that they've raised that they have not sufficiently answered? Like, they just completely ignored it, like, between first first season and second season. I don't think they have. I think they. I think anything that they've introduced as something plausible or, pop, you know, to the show... I think they've explained it 
and put it into the story. We'll, we'll, cir we'll circle. Of. We'll circle back to this in next next week's episode. Only thing I can think of is is how how Knox came to. It, it, I need I need more. I need a little more information on how Knox killed her parents, killed her mother. I need I need a little more information about that and how oh, he. I'm sure how, that's how he, dabbling into, how he started dabbling in black magic. That, that'd be that's something I'd be interested in finding out too. And and we never got a we really never got an answer as to why. We have suspicions, but we don't ever. Knox never has said why he actually did it. He didn't because it's not because it's not important to the story. But I, I think I think it was addressed when Satu came to him in his room because I think she said something about him killing her, killing Diana's parents, but he didn't mean to. It was an accident. And he says it was an accident. I don't think he meant to kill them. That's a hell of an accident. I'm well, saying, I mean, you I, did I, the I black magic and magic. I accidentally killed two yeah. people. You know, and then, ba based on his current personality, I, I doubt that was accident. He probably would have meant to kill Stephen. I don't think he would have uh, tried to kill Rebecca. Okay, that's fair. Because he was in love with her. That's so, fair. yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think. So, he, so when he says it was an accident, he meant killing her. It was an accident. Probably. Yeah, okay. Probably. So, but okay. Well, we only have three episodes left, but they are finally on the road to go look for the book. So, time. and we do see <laughs> from the previews of the next episode that they finally do arrive in Bohemia. So, hopefully, and I'm, I'm, I'm already ready for that king to die, whoever that dude is. Like, he can go, <laughs> he can go ahead and get, get killed or something, you can get find a boulder and throw in his head or something. He can go ahead and take care of that, make that happen. Yeah, so. Hopefully we'll get to see the book or or at least get a little bit closer to it in the next episode. But for now, that is it for our show. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fandom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join the conversation next time. <laughs>